We're going to be back into the book of John today, to chapter 5. We're looking again at a story that uh, has to do with our Lord again. And How many learn a lot from stories and stories that Jesus told? I like stories. Uh, I like history. I like uh, hear what it was like back in the good old days, so to speak. Some of you maybe know what I'm saying is not. They weren't always so good. And uh, things are always, aren't always so good, but God is good. Even when things aren't so good, God is good. He's good to us. He's good in his character. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this story in chapter 5. We're going to call it, He's Always Working. God is always working in the world, working in people, working to bring people to himself. And so, as we look at John's Gospel, chapter 5, we understand there was this pool that would, uh, at certain seasons, would be stirred by the angel of the Lord, and whoever got into it first was healed from their sickness. Now, there's a man that Jesus talks to, and this man has been having problems, struggling, because he didn't have anyone to help him get in the pool. So he would just kind of be left there, and others would jump, and of course, he never could make it. Let's read the story from the text, John's Gospel, chapter 5. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. There in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. These lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool, stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease which he was afflicted. And a certain man was there who had been 38 years in his sickness. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? It's like, hello? Why did Jesus ask him that question? I kind of think he was wanting to get the person to confess his need. Right? The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time sometimes asking for help. Right? That's pride. And I'll admit that from time to time, that we want to do it ourselves. The old Norwegian in me wants to just do it himself. Right? But Jesus wants us to ask him, to look to him. And Jesus has us in mind See, there are a lot of folks that he could have ministered to. I don't, I don't have the answer why he chose this man. I don't have the answer what happened to the rest of them. But Jesus was directed by God the Father when he was on the earth. Jesus walked in accordance with God's will, and he walked according to the Holy Spirit helping him. But number one, God has always been at work. God has always been doing something in the earth. Ever since he created this place, Ever since he created man, 
even though man messed it up because sin was brought into the world. That's why we have sickness and disease. Not to say that because there's sin in your life, that's why you're sick. We'll talk about that later. It could be, but it may not be. We'll see another example later on. But he's working in us. You know what? God doesn't sleep. How do we know that? Well, the psalmist said in 121st Psalm, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains, from whence shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber or sleep. That's good news. So when you're driving down the road, or there's something that you don't foresee ahead of you, God is in control. God is watching. And God can protect you. God can come. God cares about you. He cares about your heart and your soul especially. Yes, there are physical things that he cares about as well. He cares that you are whole. He cares not. We get and get into the debate, well, why does God heal some and doesn't heal others? Why does some people need I'm not going to get into that. God still heals. Let's just believe. Let's leave it in God's hands. So this man is asked the question, what do you wish to get well? I thought about it. I'm thinking about that. Some people maybe don't, maybe they don't wish to get well. Maybe they want to hang on to their pain. For some, possibly. But this man was definitely in the, in, in the gear. Of, he had the green light. He, he, was put, he was ready to go. This man, this man didn't know who he was talking to at the time, didn't know who he was, but he knew that something was different. So the sick man asked, verse 7, I have no man to put me in. Sometimes we're looking for God to move in the way we think he ought to move. We pray a prayer. God, this is how I want you to do it. Right? You've got to send a man, and then he will put me into the pool. Right? That's kind of what he's, kind of way he, he's thinking in the natural. He's thinking what would be, what would make sense. He's thinking, and this, this seems to make sense to me. But God is far, how many know he's far beyond our thinking? His thoughts are not our thoughts. And he's way beyond our, our understanding. And God has a way of showing up when we have lost all heart, when we lose hope. God sometimes, <clears throat> you know, is just waiting for us to look to him and ask him, Lord, I'm at the bottom. I've hit the bottom. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Lord, help me to go in the right direction. God shows up. He begins to work in us. He begins to call you to himself. He begins to whisper into your heart if you listen. If you take the time, I believe that God will speak to us. I believe that God will speak to you in your mind, in your mindset, and in your attitude. Philippians chapter 2 describes to us how that God is working. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now Paul was talking to a church, and Paul was concerned after he leaves what would happen to these people. But now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I mean, no, when God does a work, he does a good job. And when God does a work, it's far beyond what we could do. When God does a healing inside of a person's emotions or inside of their, their anxiety is lifted, that is what God can do. I can't fix anyone. I cannot change anyone's uh, destiny except by the help of the Holy Spirit came here to speak something or to do something to encourage someone. But God does the work. Paul has planted, right? Paul, Paul watered, something like that, but God gave the increase. Amen? God is working. Why is he working? Because he loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us behind. He's working for our future. He's working for eternity that you and I can spend with him. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. As the disciples were troubled in John's Gospel, chapter 40, they were troubled because they were thinking, Lord, why would you leave us now? Why would you, why would you go away? Why, what are you talking? We don't like it when you talk about going away. Right? And Jesus had a plan for the disciples. Because when he left, the Holy Spirit would come. And the Holy Spirit would live within them. And they would begin to proclaim the things of God. They would begin to live out the promises of God. They would begin to live as Jesus lived in them. Now they could go any place and God was there. They would go any place and God would show up. As the book of Acts describes how they went out proclaiming the things of God and signs and wonders, healings and, and people being touched and raised up. One was even raised from the dead. Some were raised from the dead. Others were touched who were lame. Others were touched who were blind. Others were touched because they had demonic things going on. There was deliverance. And on and on it goes. Why would Jesus come to this weary old world? Because God so loved the world. Not just the world as we see it, but the people that are in the world that every tribe, tongue, and nation would have opportunity to hear that God so loved them. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that those who would receive him may have life. He came seeking the lost person. And friends, that was you and I before we came to Christ. We were lost without hope. We were lost. We were on our own. We were like people who did not have direction. And so God is working in us. I like to think of the story of Joseph. Quite often I've been reading, uh, again, started the Bible over recently, just got through the Joseph story, and just kind of finishing that out in Genesis. And Joseph was one of, the, one of the brothers, right? He was the last one before the last one, right? So <laughs> Benjamin was the youngest, but Joseph kind of got ripped off. He was 17. His brothers were jealous because his father seemed to favor him and made him a coat of many colors, etc., etc., etc. And maybe he had somewhat of a bit of an attitude. I don't know. The jo the, his brothers were upset. Let's get rid of this rascal forever and ever. Here he come. He's coming out to spy on us. His brothers were tending their own business, minding their own sheep, and just kind of, oh, here he comes. They begin to have discussion. One of the brothers piped, let's don't kill him. Well, they wanted to kill him, but let, let's don't kill him. Let's just kind of throw him in a pit. A long story longer, as Cal would say. Uh, he ends up being sold into slavery in Egypt, right? And he was doing pretty well until 
the wife of Potiphar, he was serving in the home. He was doing all the dirty work for, for the king, so to speak. And the wife accuses him of something he didn't do. Now he runs out, and the king hears word of it. Joseph is slammed into prison for, I think, about two years. And two guys are in there with him, the chief baker and the, and the wine, and the guy that took the wine to the king, right? And all of a sudden, they have a dream. This one guy has a dream. And he interprets the dream and says, remember me when you get out of here. He doesn't. He forgets all of them. Haven't you ever felt like that? Go, have you forgotten me? Have sometimes your prayers feel like, oh, where are you, Lord? Why aren't you working? Why aren't you doing anything? How come I can't get in the pool? How come I'm always the one that gets left? How come I'm never the one who gets picked to play on the baseball team, right? Right? We get into this life situations. How come I didn't get the raise? How come I didn't get... And we begin to ask, and we begin to wonder, what is God up to? Has he forgotten me? But God hasn't forgotten me. Because it was soon after Joseph uh, interpreted that dream that the king had a, had a strange dream. He said he had seven fat cows that came out of the river, and seven ugly cows came out of the river, and the seven ugly cows swallowed up the seven fat cows. Now, if you had a dream like that, I don't know what you'd think. I don't know what you'd think it would meant, what it meant, but besides the cows, it was corn. One stalk had seven ears, lush and full. The other stalks had just Meager, sun-scorched ears didn't amount to nothing. They swallowed up the good ears. What was that all about? Well, Joseph knew right away by the, by the gift that God had placed in him. He says, that's seven years of famine. Seven years of good we need to store up, and then there'll be, gonna, it'll be seven years of famine. Well, Joseph didn't know this was going to happen, but God did. Therefore, God was working way out in front of Joseph's life. And so sometimes when we see, when we, we wonder, why are we going through this? What is this all about? Couldn't this have been avoided? God, couldn't you have done it differently? Right? And we sometimes can get down and discouraged. But the Bible says, even in trial, James chapter 1, reads this way, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now, just reading that statement, it's like, what? Anyone in their right mind, when they have a trial, would jump up and down with joy and say, Lord, this is great. Send it on. Bring it on. Let's read on. You read on, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Oh, it's starting to make more sense now. In other words, in order for my faith to grow, I need it to be tested. Oh, I don't like that test, that word test. I like the word endurance. I like the word the result of it, but I don't like that it hurts. 
I don't like life when it's painful. I don't like it when there's things that are uncomfortable, right? What God is doing and working, sometimes he, he, he does, I believe he does his greatest work when we're down. Oftentimes we're more open. And we're reaching out, right? And so God is saying to us, it's not over. It may look like it's over. It may look like it's vital. It may look like it's hopeless. It may look like you're never going to get into the pool. You're never going to get healed. God is not going to heal you. We get into this doubt thing, and Satan's right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this fiery dart they're throwing at us. But God is saying, listen, you have been given all authority in the name of Jesus. You have a decision to trust me or to trust self. You have a decision to obey and follow me and believe there is going to be a breakthrough, even if it takes us all our life. We're going to see the glory of Joseph. The day came when his brother showed up. And oh my goodness. Joseph, he had a little bit of testing that he did with his brothers. He got them to think of it. In fact, there was a place where the brothers said, there, this is, remember what we did to Joseph? This is why we are in prison. This is what's happening. God is paying us back. And all in all, when Joseph was in the prison, when it didn't seem like there was false accusation that happened to him, those are hard things in life. When you've been accused of something you didn't do, you've been misunderstood for something you said, and it goes on and on and on. We get hurt feelings. And, oh, we have a decision to make. Lord, am I going to get bitter or am I going to get better? Am I going to let you be my strength or am I going to hold on to this myself? And what God did in Joseph's heart was what a beautiful thing. But after he found out about his father was still alive and his younger brother... He had to slip into a, a quiet place and just bawl his eyes out because he was so touched. That tells me that he did not let bitterness, he did not let envy grow in his heart, that he took care of it somewhere along the line. And some places says, my God, I trust in my God. I believe there is a God who can interpret. Later on, he had other dreams that, that he attributed, he, he trusted God because God gave him favor. I love that story, Joseph. Lord, may we too have the heart of Joseph to be able to, be able to see. Sometimes the glass is half empty or half full, right? Sometimes life, the a series of things, of setbacks, as we read into them, and we sometimes can say, this is, this is, we wonder why, what are you doing, Lord? But God is always taking our frailty. Oftentimes, he takes our, our weaknesses and turns them around to be something strong for his glory. Something that you and I cannot understand. He begins to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding in spite of it all. And thus we can read from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. 
And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, right? For we are called uh, according to his purpose. In other words, I believe, I believe the Bible is teaching us that God hasn't forgotten us. God is at work even in those hard times. God cares about all people. He's working on both ends. Oftentimes we don't see both ends. He's working on both ends. He's working on all peoples because he wants people in his heaven. Hey, what can we take to heaven with us? Right? What can we... What? There's nothing, right? There's no possession, right? People. People. We want people. God wants people. God wants souls. God wants his creation, his, his kids, his children to be in the heaven with him through all eternity. So he's working in our behalf. He's worked, he worked while he was on this earth, while he was here in flesh, as he came and dwelt among us. He walked among us. He felt everything that we could feel. He became a man. And so he was tempted in all, all things, yet without sin. He is the greatest high priest. He is the high priest because he knows what man and all the weaknesses that come with it. He knows all the temptations that man goes through. He knows all the circumstances he sees with his eyes. A sparrow that even falls to the ground, he, he sees that. He knows even the hairs, the number of hairs on our head. We serve a good God. We serve a God that is working in our behalf. Even when I'm old, the psalmist said, you will not leave me forsaken. Right now the world is in uproar. We, we see crazy things happening. We see all kinds of unrest. We see all kinds of uncertainty. God is not surprised. Right? He's not taken off guard. He didn't mess up in his plan. He absolutely knows the beginning to the end. And so he's offering to us a way in which to live. And it is by faith, of course, but with his hand in ours, or our hand in his. So the psalmist said, when I fall, he didn't say if I fall, he said when I fall, I will not be hurled headlong. I kind of get this picture in my mind. How many watched uh, Sesame Street? Yeah, you had kids, maybe, so you, you watched Sesame Street. Wh which one of the characters, you kind of go across the screen, or the Kermit the Frog, or one of those characters, it's just headlong things. It's just, I just get this image, but sometimes we're like headlong. We're doing somersaults. You ever been a kid who used to roll down a hill? And the worst was this, get inside of a culvert. And you say, oh my goodness, was this ever going to stop? Or you get in a tire. How many did that? Yeah, I love it. Were you stretching your hand up or were you just stretching? Yeah, that was you. All right. I said, this headlong bouncing down the hill, they're ever going to stop. God is reaching. 
my hand is, his hand is, he has my hand. He has your back. If you'll let him. If you'll look up to him. Sometimes he doesn't always uh, keep us from falling, but through the process, you learn how to get back up. Sometimes as we've made mistakes, wrong decisions, regretted some of the things we've done, God is saying, you know, it's okay. We can put that behind us. We can go forward from here. We don't have to let the past keep you back, keep you down. When God erases our sin, amen, he gets rid of it. He doesn't remember it anymore, but we struggle sometimes. But God needs and he will and helps to heal our hearts. God has always worked. The second point, he's worked through our circumstances. We've touched already some of the things in Joseph's life, some of the things that, uh, that, that happens in life. Sometimes we say this phrase. We've heard, I've heard this quite a bit often. Life happens. Right? It does. And when we say that, I think sometimes what we're saying is sometimes we don't have control over our circumstances. Sometimes we don't have control over, you know, an accident. Right? Sometimes we don't have control some of the diseases that we can get. We don't have control. And we say, Lord, don't forget about me. We're looking to you. Lord, for whatever reason, it's just like when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. Ephesians chapter 2 described we were dead, we were hopeless, we were, we were not able to save ourselves, but then we read on in verses 4 and 5, Ephesians chapter 2, but God, I love that, but God, but God, being rich, God is saying, yes, you, you have, you were dead. You cannot save yourself, but I can save you. If you will look to me, if you admit your need for me. And when you were dead, I came that those who are dead in their sins could begin to live. Because death, uh, sin produces death. Sin ultimately produces death. That's why we're struggling in our world with so many problems. Because sin entered in the garden way back in Genesis. But God is not surprised. He knows your circumstance. He knows you are unable to get into the pool. Jesus comes himself. No bread. That's, that's, that's one thing. You, you can't match that. Jesus himself comes to this man and says, Do you want to get well? And then he begins to just command. He just says, Get up and walk. And Jesus just absolutely, supernaturally, this man out. Someone say, how did he just get up and walk? He'd been sitting there. God did it. Wouldn't you think he'd be stiff for a while? Well, I'm not going to argue. God did it. And so this man was healed, began to walk. And boy, this raised a ruckus in the religious community because it was a Sabbath. And oh my goodness, Jesus 
is Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus was showing himself to this man. He was showing compassion. He showed up in his circumstance. He showed up at his bedside and gave him life. That he could go out and make a way through life and become a, a whole person. Yeah, that speaks to me what Jesus wants to do in our marriages, he wants to do in our family relationships, he wants to do with our future, he wants to give us life. He wants us to walk with him so that we don't have to worry and fret over things that come our way because he's always working. Thirdly, working to show his glory is the bottom line is this. If someone else can see the glory of God, then God is honored. God is lifted up. If someone else gets saved as a result of your pain, if someone else gets witness to as a result of your faith, then it pays off. If someone else is in the bed next to you, in the sick room, in a hospital, for someone else gets to hear the, a word of encouragement. God works all things together for those who love. And we're all learning. We're all learning to trust the Lord in spite. Even when we don't always see what we want to see, we are saying, Lord, in spite of it. Even as the Hebrew children says this, and they prayed that they were facing the fiery furnace, and said, even if we are not spared, we are not going to bow down to the image of a false god. And that story ended up great. The Hebrew children didn't face that fiery furnace alone. And see, this is the greatest, one of the greatest ways to give God the glory. I was dead in my sins and my trespasses. I was on a path of destruction. But the Lord showed up in that fiery furnace. The angel of the Lord, God himself, shows up through the angel of the Lord. And there was not even a stench, not even a scent, a supernatural miracle. And so it gave glory to God. You know what God wants us to do as believers? Is to give him the credit. Give him the glory. Give him the praise. Give him the credit for whom is due. Every time we're tempted to say, look what I've done, right? Look what I've done. I need to arrest myself. Wait a minute. Look what God has done. And he used imperfect people throughout Scripture. Many of them messed up. Many of them made mistakes. Many of them were confused. Even as Peter was walking on the waves, the minute he took his eyes off the Lord and started thinking in the natural, right? He went down. 
So as that man laid at the pool, and Jesus says, you want to be healed? I don't have anybody to put you in the pool. He was thinking of the natural. And sometimes we need to enlarge our vision, and Jesus helps us with this. Lord, it's not about me. It's really about you. I just surrender to you. My life is in your hands. Whether I live a long time, whether I live not a long time, I'm still going to go to be with Jesus because he's made a place for me. And he makes a place for whosoever will call on him can be saved, can be in kingdom and heaven all eternity. That's why, that's why we say God is always working. God is working in you to work through you to help someone else join in come to faith. Yes, our faith can be tested. It will be tested. It's not a matter of if it will be tested. It will be when, will be when it will be tested. Because God doesn't leave us. He cares about us. He keeps bringing us along. And friends, whatever yesterday, that's over. Whatever's last year's, whatever's in your past, Today is a new day and a new beginning. Today, we can have a fresh start. We can be healed. We can be saved. We can have the Lord. Will you bow your heart and just ask? We're just going to talk for a brief time. God knows your circumstances. God knows your heart. Right here today, we say, Lord Jesus, We cannot save ourselves. We cannot fix things. We cannot heal ourselves. But we're reaching out to you. We're confessing to you right now, come Lord Jesus. We're looking up to you as your children. With our hand in your hand, we're reaching out to you right now, saying, Lord, pull us up, lift us up, help us to believe, help us to trust. You lead the way. You are in control. You will lead us to the right places. You will be the God that brings us to all circumstances. And you will use even circumstances to bring us closer to you. And so, Lord, you're always working for your glory. We offer to you right now our needs and say thank you, Lord, for who you are. And we choose to believe in you. We we declare Jesus as Lord. You are Lord. And so now, by faith, we can go forward. In Jesus' name, amen.